What up, podcast babies? I'm Jesse Oliver. I'm Maureen Smith. And I'm Makita Loney, and we're Fat Out of Hell. A bi-weekly podcast where we burn down fat stigma through conversations about our experiences as fat, rad fatties. So take out your extenders and buckle up, because it's time to go! Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fat Out of Hell. What if I only started our episodes now with my best NPR voice? Hello, and um, welcome to another episode of Fat Out of Hell. Um, I mean, that'd be sick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for that. Thank you. And uh, we will, today we will be discussing. Now, um, today we will be discussing, look at me with inflection, uh, (laughs) our precarious relationship with Michelle Obama as. Fat people. Yeah. Uh do do we love Michelle Obama? Yes. Do we also have some issues? Yes. Are we unsure if she likes us? Oh yes. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we have just watched the trailer for Waffles and Mochi, which admittedly is adorable, but mm-hmm. we want to kind of unpack let's move and the whole era of her first ladyship and how it related to um, childhood uh, and content warning. I think we're just going to have to say the word. I don't, or like, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, cause we're, because they, they use it and we're going to be quoting materials that use it. And so this episode, we're going to be using the word obesity. And so if you can't listen to that and you need to check out, like, know that we fully understand and we love mm-hmm. and we respect you and mm-hmm. look at you utilizing your choice. So, mm-hmm. but we're just going to go ahead and say the word because I don't, uh, don't, we're not fancy enough to bleep it out every time, I don't think. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and her relationship to childhood obesity and quote unquote, curing it (laughs) which right you know so yeah so let's talk about before we dive into that let's talk about let's move Mm -hmm. um so i am looking at the archived obama white house page for let's move um so let's move was started in 2010 and it was a task force on childhood obesity clearly stating his goal to solve the problem of childhood obesity within a generation and announcing the first lady's role in leading a national public awareness effort to improve the health of our children. Um, I think that it is astonishing that they wanted to solve the problem of childhood obesity within a generation. And Um, like just ignoring genetics completely. Like, oh, no, this, uh-huh. is, this, is a, this is a problem that, that is your fault that now we and have to take on as a task force to solve. Right, yeah. You can't fucking think for yourself. Fuck your family genetics 100% completely. Some people are just, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Also so, ignoring just yeah. the sheer inequity of, like, classism, racism, and food, right? Mm-hmm. Like, access yeah. to, like, certain foods and, mm-hmm. like, the whole... The whole thing 
sort of seems to miss everything. <laughs> like, well, and, and yeah, and so he, so Obama issued a statement, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it, and we can, we can either, I can, I can either read the whole thing and we can talk about it, or we can pause and talk about certain aspects of it. I'm just gonna start. Mm-hmm. To meet our goal, we must accelerate implementation of successful strategies that will prevent and combat obesity. Such strategies include updating child nutrition policies in a way that addresses the best available scientific information, ensuring access to healthy, affordable food in schools and communities, as well as increasing physical activity and empowering parents and caregivers with the information and tools they need to make good choices for themselves and their families. Okay, so like, let's talk about the word combat in that. Yeah. Right? Like, immediately, what does the word combat bring to the forefront of your mind? War. Yes. Like, a war on a subset of children, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A subset of children who also, like, I can't remember if it was under Obama or under Bush, but, like, at one point, it got passed through the Senate that pizza is now considered a vegetable. a vegetable. I think that was Bush. Like for, it was for that for schools, and so like, okay, like this is some uh, wild ass mixed messaging, <laughs> right? Like, um, also like engaging with mm, nutrient dense food is not necessarily a path to losing weight, right? Which we know because of genetics, right? So, like, do I believe people should have greater access to what we would call more nutrient-dense food? Although, like, I really think we end up in this very slippery slope when we start talking about that because it assigns moral value to food, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know we don't want to assign worth or value to specific types of food, but I do think there is just a reality that we have to keep pointing out that like food deserts are real and they affect poor people and they affect people of color at a much greater rate. Mm -hmm. And like, they don't have access to certain foods that would be put into this nutritional overhaul that like, if you want to overhaul nutrition, great. Also overhaul access to that food. Yeah. Overall systemic, overhaul systemic injustices that make it much more difficult to access nutrition. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is what's so frustrating about, because he goes on to say, they will help our children develop a develop lifelong healthy habits, ensuring they reach their greatest potential toward building a healthier and more prosperous America. And so what kills me is the inclusion of a more prosperous America, because what it's suggesting is, first of all, like, base level, it's equating being fat to being lazy, saying that the reason that we're faltering as a as a nation is because fat people are not productive members of society which is fucking insulting 
<laughs> as three of the busiest people on planet Earth, I, I take great offense to yeah. that. <laughs> um, I think that... Um, but it's and also, also equating your worth to your capitalist productivity right like exactly like it's like exactly you must be a cog for the machine of capitalism and if you're fat we don't know how that works for you yeah in order to be in it is it is your patriotic duty to be healthy and in this case health means thin because like and it's not even like it's not even like it's a task force on childhood nutrition or a task force on childhood food access it is specifically childhood obesity right or a task force on like kids learning the the beautiful movement right like like if it was just a task force on like let's get kids to move and it was about movement. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, gym class is oppressive and terrible, but we mm-hmm. want you to learn how to, like, like moving. Like, why don't we try and discover things that you enjoy? That would be a whole different situation. This is like, right. why don't we learn how to punish you? Yeah. Right? Like, you should be punished. We want to, we literally want to eradicate you. Like, honestly, I didn't think of movement as, like, something bad or something that I didn't want to do until it was forced upon me. Mm-hmm. Because so I was like, well, no, you're a fat kid. You need to move more. Because I, like, as, I, as we're sitting here thinking about this, I very vividly remember, like, the times in elementary school. Yeah, was I bigger than, like, some of the kids in my class? Absolutely. But did I love to fucking run races and go ape shit on the fucking, like, <laughs> like jungle gym or, like, whatever it was called and run around the blacktop like it was nobody's business? Absolutely. It wasn't until... People were telling telling me like, oh, you have to start power walking because it'll help you like lose weight. Like it made me feel like shit. Like I used to yeah. love fucking moving until somebody told me that I had to start moving because you are wrong as a person. Right. Right. And Genuinely. when you only equate it with like solving this problem that you can't quite seem to like figure out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean I remember this palpable understanding as a kid that I was a problem. My body was a problem. I was a problem. But also, like, it didn't matter how much I restricted calories. It didn't matter how much I moved. I was always fat. Some version of fat. And so Mm -hmm. it was a long and lonely journey to keep trying to solve something that seemed insolvable, right? Like, right. And like, that is what this promotes actively. Well, and the, the, the other thing that they say in here, like, honestly, there are like this whole, the, the whole statement is problematic, but I think the most insidious comments are at the end you know, the more prosperous America, blah, blah, blah. But also the lead into that is they will help our children develop lifelong healthy habits. And it's like, you have a skewed sense of what health means when, when we're talking about a fat kid or healthy habits when it's, when we're talking about a fat kid, yeah. because 
by looking a fat kid in the face and saying, whatever you're doing, however you're coping, whatever situation you're in has resulted in you looking like this. And so now we're going to shake it up. And now you're going to have healthy habits. And it's like, you're like, here is this kid who, you know, President Barack Obama has no idea why Jimmy is fat. Jimmy could be fat because of a thyroid thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Jimmy could be fat because the only thing that his mom is able to manage bringing home for the time being is driving through McDonald's. It could be that Jimmy is fat because, you know, because he has some sort of allergy that, you know, is like preventing him. Like there's so many, there are so many things. But there's also this other oppositional thing where like uh, Jimmy could be fat for all of those reasons and Johnny could be thin, but also like scarfing down plates and plates of cookies and no one is going to say a fucking Mm -hmm. word to Johnny. Oh, exactly. Because, you know, Johnny presents as a thin, quote unquote, therefore fit person. And that's the thing. And that is the primary. That is the primary thing is that if Barack Obama were to have released the statement and just left out obesity, Improving the health of children and improving food access for children is fantastic and needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Giving kids equal access to nutritionally dense food, 100%. Let's get let's let's figure out food deserts. Let's figure out let's figure out how school lunches can be nutritionally dense and filling and can account for the fact that some kids don't eat breakfast at home and some kids don't eat dinner at home and so let's figure out ways that we can solve that so that every kid has equal access to delicious healthy food 100 percent. but why are we laser focusing on the fucking fat kids every kid should have access to healthy food absolutely absolutely i mean absolutely And, like, it just seems to me that we have so much research and data that shows shaming does not work. And you have just very quickly othered and shamed children. And Mm -hmm. that othering and that shaming when you don't have... Othering and shaming doesn't work, period. But at least as adults, we have vocabulary and we have, like the ability to say no you know what i mean when you're Mm -hmm. a kid you internalize that and that becomes a lifelong trauma because of that internalization right like you have just created a lifelong trauma not to mention that this rating of worth with the rating of like your body It really starts to get us into very, like, eugenics-esque territory. Genuinely. Like, it's not hard if that's what you have installed in people since they were children for them to then make the leap that, like, fat folks are sacrificable because they're not contributing. Right? Yeah. And, like, it is literally a psychological trauma. 
to put that onto children. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, there's not also a, a good oversight of how all of that gets implemented in schools. Right? Like, mm-hmm. so, like, if a teacher just hates fat people to begin with, they now have, like, an excuse to be extra mean to the fat kids. Yeah. One of the things I just saw about, um, one of the things I just saw about one of the accomplishments of the Let's Move initiative was that there were, I think, in, hold on, let me get the number. Ha ba ba ba. Oh, um, here we go. Uh, there were, there was, there was an initiative in Let's Move that was salad bars to schools, providing 3 million students with a salad bar. I mean, you know, (laughs) I don't inherently hate that, right? Like, yeah, we are three individuals who have big salad energy all the time. We love a big salad, right? Mm, exactly. Like, I don't hate that. I hate that that is done because they're worried about kids being fat. Yeah. Exactly. That's the... That's the... Because that's nefarious, right? Like, providing exactly. a salad bar because pizza should not be considered a fucking vegetable is like you know one thing doing it because we're worried about the fatsos is a totally different thing right like like and there's no way to read that or hear that or see that without knowing that thin body equals good fat body equals bad and therefore i as a fat child am bad yep Mm -hmm. there's just no way And I'm sure there wasn't like, you know, again, if we're using Jimmy and Johnny, I'm sure Jimmy was told, are you eating at the salad bar? And Johnny, just because Johnny was thin, it didn't matter if Johnny never ate a pepper. Right. Right? Like, or Mm -hmm. never ate an apple or never ate whatever. Because there is still this like, oh, they're thin, so they're fine. Right. No, there needs to be, if there's going to be a national health initiative, it needs to be a discussion about, like, holistic health. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a more holistic view of it. Looking at every kid and examining individually what are your health needs. Right. Mm -hmm. But that would require, like, like, people... The irony of systemic issues is that they affect every individual and never entertain the individual, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, that in order to do that better and maybe have some systemic change of how, um, this this has nothing to do with weight, but systemic change of people's relationship to food, you would need to do that on an individual level and no one does that ever. Yeah. And so it's always the worst decision, always the, quite frankly, easiest decision, and always the decision that, like, others people even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and what's interesting to me is that, so this, this initiative was launched in 
2010, which is 10 years ago. So the kids that were, you know, in third grade when the Let's Move initiative debuted are now adults. And I would be interested... I mean, obviously, I'm not privy to this information, but I would be interested in there being some sort of, like, check-in with those kids that had access to, you know, one of those three million kids that had access to a salad bar, courtesy of Michelle Obama, (laughs) to see, like, hey, like, let's check in on those healthy habits. You know what I mean? Like, how many of those kids, because they were... You know, I, I think a lot about I think a lot about these like initiatives that single out kids that are con- that are deemed to be like at risk and not contributing to the prosperity of America. I think I think um, a lot about ESL programs. Um, for example, the school that I went to, the elementary school I went to. If you, uh, there was a, there in the area that I lived in, there was a large Asian refugee population. Um, like there were some Cambodian refugees. There were some, um, you know, there was still some like Vietnamese, not Vietnamese. There, there was a large Asian refugee population in in my community, and that went to my school, and. Regardless of whether or not these kids spoke another language, they were put in ESL. Fucked up. Like, one of my friends who I, like, recently touched back, got back in touch with, like, he, like, his parents were refugees from Cambodia. And I remember him being in ESL when I was a kid because I've, I've, I went to school with him from kindergarten to high school. I remember him being in ESL all through elementary school. I remember him getting taken out of class to go to ESL and he only spoke English. It's fucked up. And his parents spent the entire time that he was at elementary school trying to get him out of ESL and they would not take him out of ESL. That is and it's, racist is well, what it is. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Genuinely. I, and like I, it wasn't even in those classes. It wasn't even learning English a lot of it was here's how you use a fork and a lot of it was a lot of it a lot of it too and I went to a public school was learning about Christianity (gasps) no yeah the thing it's fucked this kind of reminds me of is the president's physical fitness test right yeah Where like they just kind of ubiquitously said this has to be done and then left it up to the individual school's how they would want to do it but even in the president's physical fitness test like there was not a like here are the things you have to meet there was like no regulatory system of it right so like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like the whole thing is made up yeah and it's made up with no oversight to protect the actual children right well and like this kind of like the reason i brought up you know getting pulled out of class for esl and like the blanket if you were if you if you are a child who is not white whose parents were not born in this country you were placed in esl regardless of your language ability Mm -hmm. 
like these kind of national initiatives like let's move that singles out kids that are considered to be at risk and puts the onus and like their time you know from 8 30 to 3 o'clock when they're in school and that's when that is that is the time of that child's day where let's move impacts them the most that has the potential to affect that child's access to education Mm -hmm. if I'm not saying that I'm not saying that let's move pulled fat kids out of class or anything like that I'm I was not a child I was not in elementary school or high school in 2010 I have no idea I doubt that was happening also affects education by if you walk into a gym class and the whole point is to you know if there's a task force on obesity, obesity it's real hard to go back to class and learn when you have just been informed that you are so our public enemy number one in the government's yeah. eyes that they have created a task force to combat you right like that's like right like if i'm an eight-year-old i'm like oh fuck right like there's like right and that is not healthy for that child period mm-hmm. yeah and i mean if you're already like a kid that's probably like hungry or something you know and now like you're also being like like i don't know how to explain it but like as a kid who's like you know had that was on jenny craig when she was like a freshman in fucking high school like all i could think of was like the next time i'd be allowed to eat or like what could i eat at certain times so like not so it still pulls you away from the educational aspect of things because you're so hyper focused on everything else and making sure that you do everything properly and like that you're properly like eating like all the things that you need to and like you're hungry and you're trying to sneak like sorry this is like something that like it just gets me so because like though I wasn't a kid of that like era that we're talking about like still having to be in school where my mom like would pull me to all these Jenny Craig meetings that were just like fucking so out of the way and like worrying about the weigh-ins and like worrying if I'm doing well enough in gym class like my grades for my first two years of high school were not fucking stellar at all where I had to work twice as hard to fucking graduate on time and go to college and I'm definitely attributing some of that to how obsessed I was about making sure that I was no longer the fat kid in class a hundred percent I'm attributing some of that to that also um there is hard data that shows if you are hungry it's harder for your brain to learn Mm -hmm. right like like i spent my entire life being raised on microwavable healthy choice meals and like i don't know if i ever wasn't hungry as a kid do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like Mm -hmm. i was always hungry and i was all the time yes but i mean I didn't always sneak food. I just remember when I had access to it, I would like eat like I was never given the chance mm-hmm. to eat, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't sneak it. It was just like when it would come my way, like when I was at a friend's house and their parents were like, eat whatever you want. I'd be like, what, what, what? And then it became like, literally, I'm going to eat because I am so hungry. I need to get calories into my body and you know what i was you know there were plenty of weeks on end where all i ate were healthy choice meals and i was still fat like yeah it was just going to be what it was going to be 
And I wish I had been fed, you know, because like, here's the thing. My body was constantly in starvation mode and I gained weight because I was in starvation mode because that diet microwave meal was not enough calories for me to be subsisting on. That's fucking diet food. (laughs) Fucking diet food. I, so, I have such a, I, I like look in the frozen food aisle and I see these like lean cuisine. I see these healthy choice, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I have like this visceral reaction to it because it is such it is such a tool of oppression these and i and i and i i say that and i feel my natural inclination is to be like oh clearly i'm exaggerating but i genuinely truly i i really genuinely feel that way that microwavable diet food is a tool of oppression it is a it is a method of controlling a a vulnerable person and using like like basically carving an industry just to make people dependent on something to to feel like that's the their only option yep oh yeah so like i i ended up finding meals like there's like one of my favorite ones now is this like by Saffron Road, where it's like chicken tikka masala and a little bit of rice Ooh. on the side, mm. and like I just get like the like the the Uncle Ben's like minute rice cups and just heat up one of those also. So it's like a more fulfilling, like a, a more like filling meal for me. Um, there's also like some of the Stouffer's meals that I just never paid attention to because it was in the frozen food aisle. But like none of that stuff is technically like you know like um, lean cuisine or whatever. And, like, they actually come in, like, like family-sized portions or larger portions. So it's, like, I can heat up one of the family-style ones and get, like, two meals out of that if I really feel like it. Or crush it in one. I don't give a shit. Like, I just had such a, like, I ignored an entire option in the grocery store because of the diet culture bullshit that I would have never, like, you know, looked at twice if somebody didn't force me to be, like literally because of all the stuff that you're going through right now and literally because you just cannot you know reasonably give the time to yourself that you need to right now like you just need to put something in the microwave and forget about it and make sure you're eating also you know it's really impossible to have a full-time job and cook three meals a day yeah that's like not possible. Exactly. Cooking that's what she was takes getting at. time. Like it takes time. So figuring out ways that make food enjoyable, that make you that also makes you feel good, whatever that is for your body, that is also like able to be scheduled into your life is important. Yeah. And like even on top of that, and I know people might think like, well, why not meal prep? But meal prep also has a really hardcore history. Of like you are meal prepping like at least for me 
it takes me back to beach body days. Oh, sure. Where it was just like, here are all the containers that you need to fill. Here are all the things that you need to prep for the week. Here are all the snacks that you need to have. So it was just like, it takes me back to that time. Also, I was meal prepping for an entire week. Also, like, some people like, you know, meal prepping is easy for people who have like kind of regulated schedules. But like today, Sunday is a common day for meal prepping. And we're recording mm-hmm. this on a Sunday. I taught a lesson, did a two hour webinar on uh software spectrograph terminology and like how to use it then taught another lesson and then started recording this podcast literally i've had seven hours of work there's not a time to go meal prep today exactly and it's like yeah it may be easy for some people but it's not easy for all and and that's where like easy alternatives like that come into play you know so yeah that's my rant on no and it's like it's like kind of going back to let's move like the the idea of like coming in and disrupting what kind of food fat kids are given sets up all of these fucked up hang-ups that now adults have mm-hmm. right like you know kita you you avoided an entire section of the grocery store for years that would have made your life so much so easier much easier because of because of an adult's efforts to control the food intake of a child yeah and like there are so many and like I'm sure that there are so many people who have that same hang up and like it's it's so it's so frustrating like now being an adult whose whose food was regulated whose whose health was closely monitored and despite my best efforts I wasn't able to meet those benchmarks like the number of the number of things in my life that would be so much easier were it not for that grooming period in my childhood or that like for me I look at it as this confirmation of me being a failure over and over Mm -hmm. and having to break that like cycle of me viewing myself as a failure right when like Mm -hmm. I failed at something I never actually actively signed up to do for most of my life. I was being Mm -hmm. forced to do it. And Mm -hmm. then I internalized that and felt like a failure for so long because my body actually was never designed to win that game. Yeah. Genuinely. Well, and then like, so fast forwarding, to waffles and mochi. Fast putting to waffles and mochi. You know the thing that makes me happiest? Like, Samin Nasarat, Jack Black, and Zach Galifianakis are all in that show. Mm-hmm. And all are some sort of scale of not thin, right? Like, mm-hmm. or not how we associate typical thinness. And that mm-hmm. makes me happy because at least there's three people people will be able to see engaging and enjoying food mm-hmm. and still having those bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
By the way, slight slight like divergence. Can we talk about how Jack Black is the fat idol Fucking we all marry me. deserve? Jack Black, please just invite me to your pool in your backyard and make <laughs> me your friend. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like just the belly out speedo. Oh, yes speedo clad fucking fat athleticism that that man displays yes and you know fat athleticism without having to prove i'm an athlete yeah like there's no because no, he's just he's just having fun yes yeah. the sheer amount of fun he has is really revolutionary there is no like i work out because look at me being a good fatty right like mm-hmm. it's just I am genuinely having fun and enjoying every minute of it. Yes. Genuinely, I, yeah. I adore him and want nothing but that energy in my life all the time. No. And then, like, what makes me a little bit iffy. So Waffles and Mochi, uh, it's called Waffles and Mochi because of the two, there are two puppet characters or two main puppet characters. It looks like there are more puppets, but Waffles is a puppet, and then Mochi is kind of the sidekick. Um, and Michelle Obama is a supermarket owner in this story, and they travel all around the world trying different delicious food, being prepared by all kinds of chefs. And pros, the in the pro column... Um, it's joyful eating targeted toward children, which is good. Mm -hmm. It's telling kids to enjoy food, which is good. Mm -hmm. What's frustrating is, what's frustrating is the, is, is still, it's still that conversation around access on multiple levels. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's chef prepared food, which is so out of reach for so many so kids. Many, yeah. And then the fact that it's on Netflix. Netflix is a premium platform. Mm-hmm. Netflix is, is getting more and more expensive every year. Yeah. So many kids don't have access to that. And so if we're talking about, if we're talking about a national sweeping change in how we address nutrition for children putting putting that information behind a paywall and framing it as like special occasion food as opposed to just everyday just everyday eating is not is not it it's not it and it's just like, it looks fun, it looks cute, it looks joyful and happy and wonderful. And for the kids who have access to those ingredients, for the kids who have access to the programming in general, it's it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't help the kids who need that information the most. Yeah. Yeah. I also hope they, like, you know obviously we're basing this off of a three and a half minute trailer so like yeah i'm trying to maintain some hope that you know other messages will be in there but like i mean to bring back our patron saint of chaotic good 
Like, I think of, like, the episodes of Guy's Grocery Games where he gives them all, like, microwavable food or something, and then they have to make meals out of it in 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, in some regards, that's, like, a greater skill to show kids. That's more, <laughs> like, that's more realistic. Yes. Like, I, like, truly, patron saint of chaotic good. <laughs> but, yeah. like, it does, it it brings me joy to see that because it's, like, how do we teach kids how to, you know, it all comes down to balance. It's really about this idea of balance, right? Like, and I hope that Waffles and Mochi talks about balance. I hope that it uh, talks about, like, the kids being inquisitive and learning about cuisines and learning about whatever. But I also hope that somehow we get these kids access to that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Is that, should we end it there? Yeah. I feel like that's a good spot to end. Yeah. I also feel like you're looking off in the distance. I'm just, I'm just frustrated because I'm frustrated because it's just, it's really hard being a fat kid. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like just baseline. It's hard being a fat kid. Being a fat kid comes with so much shame. It comes shame from parents, shame from doctors, shame from teachers, shame from shame from peers, kids, other kids. It's 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 lonely. And so it's so frustrating to me that there that there is additional pressure being put on these kids who childhood obesity is not their fault right right childhood obesity like it's it's genetics it's it it has to do with like it it ha- it it's a it's a class issue it's a it's a socioeconomic issue it's a it's it's a roll of the dice issue like there are so many things that impact how a child presents physically and none of them are a kid's fault. Right. And so, and we seem so much more concerned with curing them than protecting them. Right. And also like, it's just so antithetical. This idea of curing creates the beginning process of yo-yo dieting, which we know changes body set points to be higher. So you actually, inevitably make that child gain weight Mm -hmm. right and that's like really fucked when you think about it right whereas like you know if a kid if if a kid is fat maybe just like fucking wait a little bit (laughs) like maybe just let them maybe just let them breathe you know because like you know, let's like, cause in some cases, like, you know, maybe that kid stays fat and maybe that kid grows out of it. But if the second a kid looks fat, you start fucking with their metabolism, they're going to stay fat. Right. right. And they're probably going to actually get fatter. And not yes. to say, and I don't mean that with like zero judgment. It's just, that's what the science tells us. Exactly. 
Exactly. And so it's like, I'm just so, like, this, the, the national task force should be get kids access to food. Right. It shouldn't be let's micromanage what the kids are eating. It's let's just get them food. The national task force is let's not consider pizza a vegetable at schools. Right? Like, oh, and we know I love pizza. I literally have a tattoo of pizza. But, like, you cannot shame children for being fat and then say <laughs> pizza is a vegetable. No. Like, the sheer disconnect is astounding. Yeah. <sighs> Leave fat kids alone. Yes. Leave them alone. Fat kids Honest alone. God. Let fat kids just be kids. Just let them be. Encourage them to love playing, whatever that looks like for them. Encourage them. We actually know that part of the reason gym class doesn't work for American kids, like, is that it's about sports and now not about the idea of like fun, joyful play. Mm-hmm. Just let them play. Let them enjoy things. Let them discover and let them like be kids. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think one of the things I remember so crystally from childhood is a lot of my childhood was stolen because of fat. I wasn't allowed to be a kid because I was fat. And I think that that is hard and something I will work through for the rest of my life. Yeah. 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 I think that that's a good stopping point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, podcast babe, we love you. And I love both of you. Very specifically, you two. Um, And all of our listeners. We, you know, know that we're all in a process of healing and grieving and figuring things out together. And isn't it nice to have people you can actually talk to about this? Isn't, I mean, I will, I always come back to that as hard as this is, gosh, it's so much easier to unpack it when you have others who understand exactly what that felt Mm. like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on that note. We love you, and we will catch you next time. Bye, podcast babies. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on all the social media places as Fat Out of Hell Pod and all the podcast places as Fat Out of Hell. And you can shoot us an email at fatoutofhellpod at gmail.com. Bye, baby.